0: was leading receiver and how many yards he has go what's happening college football fans welcome back to another episode of the Saturday 6 podcast I am your co-host AJ here with my brother my co-host Tyler what's going on man conference championship week regular season is done got a big week ahead of us it's championship time and this is for the
1: spots in the college football playoff this is to see how they're going to go down and based off of the results of these games it could change drastically from what we have right now so big time games for all teams that are in their conference championship and i mean we got some good ones
0: Unless you're a fan of the Big Ten, but that's your own fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, got some great games to look forward to. We've got, obviously, playoff implications, as you stated, so... Excited to get into those matchups, you know, big one, Oregon, Washington, Georgia, Alabama, got some top 10 showdowns that are going to decide what that college football, that final four-team college football playoff looks like. So interested to get into those with you here in just a second. Before we do, as always, just a reminder, share the podcast with somebody if you enjoy it and always give us a follow on our social media platforms at Saturday Six Pod is where you can find the boys. So we will get into some picks. Conference Championship Week, and like you said, there's some some of these conference championships that the spread is a little larger than you would uh than you would want in such a big premier game. But there are some championship games with a lot of expectations for some programs and some tight spreads. So uh, let's start with one that's going down on Friday night. This one is going to be the final Pac-12 Championship game in existence. They may have a Pac-2 championship game next year, but we will know the participants (laughs) when the the season begins. So this is the last time the Pac-12 will be able to crown a champion. Oregon and Washington hoping to leave with the final Pac-12 championship before they move to the Big Ten next year. One of them will leave with a sour taste in their mouths. One of them will leave victorious. We saw this game a few months ago. Right. We saw Oregon go on the road to Washington, and it was exactly the game that we expected. We saw Washington obviously win that game late, but it was a really good game. It was such a crazy back and forth game. Right. Like Oregon with two minutes and 21 seconds left in the fourth quarter had a win probability of ninety six point six percent. I mean, it was just a crazy back and forth game. So what does part two look like this Saturday? Excuse me, this Friday.
1: Well, I'll start it off by saying any time that you see teams play each other twice in a season, it's really hard to go 2-0 for a team. Uh, You just don't see it very often. Usually when a team that loses gets a second chance, uh, they come to play a little bit better. And Oregon's, I mean, they've been good all year, right? But I feel like as of lately, they're really starting to come on. They're really clicking on all cylinders here. Um, they, they're, they get really good quarterback play from Bo Nix. Who's, you know, they're talking about him as a Heisman candidate. He'll probably be in New York. Um, and then obviously that stifling defense that we've seen throughout the year for me, the game that they had the regular season, it was earlier in the you know front half of their schedule. So you don't really have as much, you know, knowledge of what these teams are going to be, um, And then we can flip it to the other side, Washington. I mean, they've got some talent, man. They can air the ball out.
0: They've got their own Heisman Trophy contender. So uh, both of these guys. Michael Penix Jr., I mean. Big stages. Guy's a stud,
1: and they throw the ball like 100 times a game, so that helps them out. Uh, It helps them out that he's got two first-round wide receivers uh, playing for him. But the thing for me is we don't really – have anything in this Washington defense, do we? I mean, they've been soft. I mean, they get exposed. This was a really close shootout type of a game last year, but if Oregon's able to slow down this Husky offense, who's been able to be slowed down in recent weeks, then I think Oregon's got a really good chance at winning this game and avenging their loss here and maybe knocking a team that's right now slated to be in the playoffs outside of it. This game's sitting at 9.5 in favor of Oregon. I think that that's a tall spread here, especially when you're talking about two teams that can score a lot of points. Um, I like Oregon to win this game. I think Oregon comes out with that final Pac-12 championship, but I'm going to take Washington to cover that spread. I think it's just a little too high. I I still wanted a close game like like the – previous one this year, but probably a little bit more low scoring than earlier.
0: Yeah, for me, you know, you talked about the two offenses. You talked about the defensive incapabilities for Washington. You know, uh in this game a few months ago, the big the big issue, I, I mean, I came out of that game, I told you in the recap pod, I came out of that game like not really thinking any less of Oregon. I thought that it was a great atmosphere for Washington. I thought that that crowd was one of the best crowds of the regular season, in my opinion. They really gave the Huskies an advantage that day. And this one's neutral site, right? Like it's in Las Vegas. So when you look at these teams on a neutral site field, I do think Oregon has more talent on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we asked Washington coming into that game a few months ago, can they run the ball a little bit? They were able to get a little bit going on the ground, so it kind of took some pressure off of uh, Michael Penix. They got Dylan Johnson going. And then you touched on the receivers of Dunze, McMillan. I mean, they've got boatloads and boatloads of explosive playmakers on that side of the ball. So I think it. I think if Oregon is not 0 for 3 on fourth down, I think they could be a lot more successful in this game than they were in the last game. It was a lot of uh, – Uh, just missed opportunities in this game a few months ago. So I think Oregon does capitalize this time around. I think they are the better team on offense and defense. So I'm going to take them to win. I'm also going to take them to cover nine and a half. I think they win big here. They're the statistical better of Washington
1: in every category that matters. I mean, some of them are close. You're talking pass yards per game, Oregon's first, Washington's second. It's a difference of seven yards a game. But the biggest
0: number that stuck out to me is I saw, okay Oregon over three on fourth down in that game. Right. I went back and looked if Oregon can win on third down, which they've done this year, they're ranked like I want to say they're ranked second in the country in third down conversion percentage. If they can do what they've done all year long on Friday night against the Washington defense, that hasn't been great on third down. I think that they have a a very real chance of making this an, an ugly game in the fourth quarter. How about Oregon being 7th in the country in
1: points per game allowed defensively to Washington being the 48th or yards per game allowed? Oregon's the 15th best team only allowing about 300. Washington averages allowing 400 more yards to opposing offenses per game. I mean, they're sitting at 96th in the country on it.
0: Right. Right. Very one-sided team, whereas I, I think Oregon is more well-rounded. So you still going to stick with that pick? You like Washington to cover, but Oregon to win? Oh, yeah. I think it's a good win for
1: second-year head coach Dan Lanning to get in there get a Pac-12 championship under his belt. This Oregon team is going to get better and better. I mean, I, I really think that they're doing all the right things up there in Eugene, but I, I, the spread's a little high for me. I'll take Washington to cover, Oregon to win.
0: Got it. So let's head to the SEC then for the one that I'm most excited about. Obviously, a little biased on this program. We try to put it aside in moments like this in big games and break them down as we see them. This one's going to be tough, man. Our number one Georgia Bulldogs, they're facing off against a newfound rival over the past few years. The number eight team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nick Saban versus Kirby Smart. We've seen this one a few times over the last few years, and it's built up to be another great game like it has been the last few times.
1: Man, Alabama does not lose in Atlanta. I mean, they've lost one time since Nick Saban's been there. Um this is this is a tough one, man. I mean, we we know what we got in Georgia. Obviously, there's some key injuries. I do think that Brock Bowers is able to go on offense. I think Tate Ratledge at right guard's able to go, no problem. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, questionable whether or not you see Lab McConkie or Ra Ra Thomas, who have also been big contributors on that Georgia offense. Um, but here. And I'm going to speak from a Georgia fan perspective here. Here's what I'm worried about in this game as a Georgia fan. We saw last week, Georgia was not fitting gaps against a run heavy team. They weren't fitting gaps against a team that had a very mobile quarterback in Georgia Tech. And then we're going to talk about an Alabama team that can do a lot of the same things. I mean, Jalen Milrow can run with his legs. He's gotten better and better throughout the year at making decisions. Still a little shaky on those intermediate passes, but, I mean, he might have the best deep ball in college football. I mean, the dude's got a rocket of an arm. We saw that in the Iron Bowl.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it worries me, it, you know, it is Georgia's defense, and they've got a young linebacker core. And a, a young front seven in general, you know, are they going to be able to fit their gaps properly in order to to stifle a run where you still have to account for a very mobile quarterback? And yeah. then, I mean, you know you got one side locked down and Kamari Lasseter at the corner position. You know you got one side of the field locked down. But on the other side, we don't know who we're going to get. We don't know if Dalen Everett's going to be able to go at corner and is Jalen Miller going to expose them with the deep ball? Um, that's kind of my concern. I, I think that's the recipe for an Alabama win there. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, you got to be good defensively. Georgia's offense is going to score points. You know, they're a more pass-heavy team than they have been in the past. But you got a quarterback that kind of allows you to do that. Uh, for me, it's can Georgia's defense. One, get off the field. And two, you've got to be able to contain Jalen Milrow. Make him use his arm and just don't allow those big explosive plays down the field. Avoid the deep shots and I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, for me, I got two keys for both teams in this one. Obviously, I think it's gonna be a great game. I don't I don't I don't see this one getting out of hand either way. I think it is gonna be a close game for four quarters. Um A big question, Mark, is Jason McClellan healthy? You know, he's got an ankle injury that Nick Saban has been kind of pessimistic about his potential uh, opportunity to play in this game. So it may just be Roydell Williams. Could you see Justice Haynes come off the bench? Or is it just Jalen Milrow trying to do things with his legs? So that's what makes me nervous as a Georgia fan. You got to keep Jalen Milrow in the pocket, right? I think the keys to the game for Alabama, one – how healthy are you? Because I think both of these teams, honestly, at 100% health, are the first and second best teams in the country. Like, at this point I, – now, I may not have said that six, eight weeks ago, but at this point in the season, I think these are the two best teams in the country. And so, it's kind of crazy that it's almost a, a college football playoff quarterfinal. You know, like, the, the winner's going to get in, and the loser may or may not. Probably not. So – the keys are Is Alabama healthy at running back? Are they healthy on the interior of that defensive line? They've been a little banged up there. If George is able to establish a little bit of this run game that we've seen with Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards that's come on in the last, you know, four or five weeks, it makes me a little nervous as an Alabama fan, right? Like if they start leaning on them, on the interior of that defense and, and you're getting those third and twos, those third and threes on the ground and, and kind of just falling forward for first downs and getting five, six minute drives and keeping Jalen Milrow on the sideline. I think that's this Georgia defense's best chance because this is not a 2021 or a 2022 Georgia defense, right? Now, don't get me wrong. This is still probably the best defense in the sec. When you say one of the best defenses in the country still. So I, I think, are you healthy if you're Alabama? And then what is the run game outside of Milrow, obviously? Is it just Roydale Williams, or can you get um, a little bit of a contribution from McClellan if he's healthy? Um, What do you think about those? I got a couple keys for Georgia, but um, I think that's the biggest question mark for me, man. Can you keep Jalen Milrow in the pocket and force him to beat you with his arm? Because he may get one or two explosives, but I think this Georgia offense should be able to – to score more than that, if they can keep him contained in his legs.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the, the focus has got to be on him. And as far as Jason McClellan being healthy, uh, we don't know if he is healthy or if he's even, you know, teetering on that line of is he going to go. I mean, Alabama, this is a must-win game. I mean, you, you can't afford not to have some of your best players out there. If he's going to – if he's able to play this – this kid's going to play. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think Georgia on offense, you know, being able to sustain drives is a big thing. You know, one thing that helps them is, you know, what we didn't see in the beginning of the year, but their running backs are starting to come on. I mean, Kendall yeah. Milton is going for over a hundred yards a game over the last couple of weeks. I mean, th- and, and that's a huge help just to be able to, you know, make yourself so, um, so diverse and what you're able to do in those third and short situations, you know? And this is,
0: um, sorry to cut you off. this, I was just going to say, this is the best defense that they've played to this point, right? So it's not going to be absolutely. as easy as it was against Georgia Tech or as easy as it was against Ole Miss to rip off those 10 and 12 yard runs and look really physical in the run game. This is going to be a tougher test. So that's why I say, is the interior of that defensive line for Alabama, Alabama healthy? That's a big question mark for me. On the UGA side of the ball, the two keys, like this is going to be billed as a quarterback game, Carson Beck versus Jalen Milroe and I think it could come down to that. I think the better quarterback, the the wiser quarterback that makes the best decisions probably wins this game. But I think it, I think it could also come down to these offensive lines. I want to talk about these offensive lines because they're both very interesting if you watched them over the course of the season. Alabama coming into this year, we talked about – It was probably going to be elite, that offensive line, maybe a Joe Moore award winner. And to start the year, it was not that. (laughs) It was very piss poor. But over the course of the season, through the last probably eight games, they've really turned it on. They're actually 115th in the country in sacks allowed. So that makes me nervous as a Georgia fan, right? Because we don't have those elite pass rushers this year on our defensive line. Nolan Smith is not here. Jalen Carter is not here. So – You know, can you dial something up with a less than seller pass rush group? That makes me a little bit um, nervous if I'm a Georgia fan.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. There's so many things. We we could make a whole podcast about this SEC championship, no doubt. Um, But at the end of the day, we got to give picks. We got to give our picks against the spread here. It's sitting at five and a half in Georgia's favor. Uh, It's a man, it's a tough one. I'm, like, right there on the edge, man. Like, I like this at four and a half, uh, not five and a half. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the homer pick. I'm putting that G by my name, by my face on the graphic. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You know, a, a last-second touchdown to win the game, I mean, it's very doable. I mean, yeah. a, a little walk-off touchdown. We've seen it before, folks. We've seen it before in this game with these teams. That is true. It can happen.
0: That is true. I am going to take my dog straight up. I think it's closer. I think it's a nail biter. I think it could be a field goal. I think it could be less than that. I think it could be 24, 23. I think it could be 28 to 27. But I'm going to take my dogs to win and Alabama to cover. I think it's a little bit tighter than five and a half. So I'll uh, unfortunately have an A next to my face, but uh, go dogs at the same damn time. All right, we got three more games to pick, so let's bounce around here to some other conference championships. The one that I want to talk about next is the probably the most intriguing out of the ones that are left. I want to talk about this ACC matchup right cuz a lot kind of rides on it for the chances for the Florida State Seminoles to get into the college football playoff. I think if they lose, they are out. They got a pesky Louisville team coming to play them. They are 10 and 2, number 14 in the country. Florida State favored by one and a half. So this one is right there, Vegas says. Neutral site, obviously, in Charlotte. What do you think about the Knolls facing off against the Cardinals? Florida State needs this one if they want a chance in that playoff. And if they lose, there are some teams sitting on the outside that are looking to get back in. This is probably
1: one of the toughest picks for me this year. Um, And that's because, obviously, we've talked about it. Florida State doesn't have Jordan Travis at quarterback right now. They've got a freshman who's more concerned with making TikToks than playing football. Um, He did play well. He played well against Florida. I'll give him that. I think he did just enough. Uh, Got a little bit of a scare from a good, you know, from an okay Florida team.
0: Florida was up 15 to nothing, and I was like, oh, snap. Here we go. Here's chaos. All right. The thing for me is
1: everything at Florida State that complements him. You know, you got you got great wide receivers and, you know, Keon Coleman and company. You got a defense who is, I mean, I would put them as stellar as far as getting turnovers, forcing turnovers, you know, yeah. getting the ball back to your offense. And I think that's what's going to win Florida State this game. I'm gonna take them to win outright, cover the spread. I think, I think this defense has leaned on heavy, and I think you know Louis, Louisville can slip up here. They can score points. They have a dynamic offense, but I don't think it's anything that a, a Florida State team can't uh, defend against. And I think just everything that complements a quarterback who's you know his second game starting as a quarterback, is an ACC championship. You know that's a tall yeah. ask for him. And I think everybody around him is what lifts him up and you know propels him to success here. I'm going to go Florida State. They're in the playoff if they win it. Uh, I'm going to keep them around for a little while. They got then... a lot to
0: play for, right? Like I I, I said, they th- I thought they would play inspired last week, and they did that, right? Like they kind of rallied around the fact that their guy, Jordan Travis, was out. So it, it does make you think like they kind of got a little bit of momentum on their side. They got a lot to play for here. But Louisville's playing spoiler, right? Like, they're sitting at 14. They're just kind of hanging out. Only a one-and-a-half-point dog. Now, it makes me nervous if if this game, if you have to put it into the hands of Jack Plummer, he, uh, he may end up being a plumber one day because he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. But if you can lean on your boy Jawar Jordan... And that run game, a run game that's got over a thousand yards so far this year, and then they got a back in Gorindo, who's been been able to spell him. We see that in that Miami game on Thanksgiving. So, you know, I think it's a good game. I think it's a tight game, but I think I think Jeff Brom in his first year, I think he does it. I think he goes ten and two and gets an ACC championship and plays spoiler to Florida State's playoff chances. I think the reason is it's not this offense. They're going to take it out of Plumber's hands. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to lean on that defense. That defense that has allowed 3.3 yards per carry this year, stingy. So if they can limit Trey Benson and they force Rodemaker to make a bunch of throws that he hasn't had to make, I think it could spell disaster for Florida State, honestly. They're allowing 29% third down conversion rate, are the Cardinals. So it's like, man, if FSU is not converting third downs and they don't have a run game, and Louisville does, and they're running the ball and running the clock, I think Louisville comes out with a big win here. I'm going to take the Cardinals straight up.
1: Definitely a low-scoring game one way or another.
0: Yeah, I think it is low-scoring. I think think a lot of these conference championship games could be low-scoring. I think the defenses step up. That's just a
1: testament to how good both of these teams are, though.
0: Yeah. All right, last two games. We got a Big 12 championship game before the league drastically changes next year. Oklahoma and Texas leaving. A few more teams from the Pac-12 coming in. Number 18, Oklahoma State has somehow snuck into this game. A lot of people were cheering for BYU last weekend when they were up on Oklahoma State. A lot of people wanted to see o- Oklahoma get into this game just uh, because they thought they were had a much better chance than <laughs> the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. So, unfortunately, it is Oklahoma State and Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Texas is a big 15-and-a-half-point favorite noon on Saturday. This one could be ugly by, like, 1230, 1245. (laughs) I mean, Oklahoma State, right, like, Ollie Gordon has been a great story. That running back has just been tremendous this year. It was leading the just leading FBS and rushing through like 10 weeks. I don't know if he still is, but I mean, just an incredible performance. But he got 1,600 yards. It's insane. I mean, 20, looked really look 20 good. touchdowns. And then you think about it and you're like, oh, yeah, they lost to South Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know the, the interior of that Texas defensive line. I think they shut down this run game. If Oklahoma State were able to pull it off, what would have to happen? I mean, you got to play a perfect game. You
1: you got to you got to be disciplined on both sides of the ball. You got to play really good special teams. You got to get a turnover or two, um, probably a couple. And I mean, you got to feed your bell cow. This is the guy that's done it for you all year. There's no, this isn't the time to be getting fancy and you know decide that you want to be a pass first offense. I mean, they might have to if they, you know, get behind quickly, which is very possible with a very good Texas offense. Right. But And then, I mean, Oklahoma State's not the worst defense that we've seen. Um, but do you they trust definitely... them
0: to cover Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and get some pressure on Ewers? Like,
1: That's the uh-huh. thing, man. Like, I'm hard-pressed to find a better receiving core in college football than what the Texas Longhorns have. I mean, what they have with A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, guys like that, is freaking special. And then, I mean, you talk about the quarterbacks, dude. Like, they've got three quarterbacks in their room that could each start at any other college football program that they wanted to almost. I mean.
0: (laughs) They could each start at Oklahoma State more than likely. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Absolutely. Alan Bowman. If you had that on your uh, college football trivia card, Alan Bowman is the quarterback for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Guys, this is a huge spread. It's sitting at 15 and a half. Hey, guess what? I don't give a damn. Hammer it. Texas minus 15 and a half. I don't give a damn. Longhorns are going to roll. This
1: kind of reminds me. We were talking about the last Pac-12 championship game. This isn't the last Big 12 championship game, but it's the last that Texas is ever going to be a part of after they move to the SEC. And I feel like they want it. They want the last one. They want to go out saying we own this conference. And before they level up and play in conference play. I I think I think Texas knows that they have to have it. Things have to go right for Texas, you know a lot of a lot of things have to go right for them to be in the college football playoffs still their destiny's not necessarily you know in their hands right now but i think that they do what they got to do and i mean this offense can absolutely manhandle oklahoma state if they want to i still think that they have very good corners on defense their front 7 isn't as good but it's very capable yeah, this one's going to get out of hand, guys. It's going to get out of hand. And uh, I think it's probably, I, th- I think it's, I think Oklahoma State has a chance. Like, you know, they're only losing by three scores or less at halftime. One thing and to then, keep in mind. They come out of the break and Texas just lets it rip.
0: One thing to keep in the back of your mind these are big 12 referees in this game. These are not SEC referees. I don't give a damn, dude. Referees can only rig a game so much. I don't know. I'm just saying the Big 12. (laughs) I don't care. The Big 12 would like nothing more than for Oklahoma State to win this game. I'm just saying. So can they do enough for Texas to lose this game? But they could do enough for Oklahoma State to cover for sure. Give me
1: Texas big, but let's move on. We got to wrap up this podcast with the final game of the
0: week the final game of the conference championships the power five conference championships number two michigan number 16 iowa we saved it for last because michigan is favored by 22 last time that'll it be big 10 east versus big 10 west we will have a completely new looking big 10 next year thank god but one more time saturday night eight o'clock on fox michigan iowa michigan Favored by 22, and the over under is somehow only 34 and a half. <laughs> I mean, this Iowa offense can they score 10? It would be, uh, it would be a sight to see.
1: We should have picked this game first, that way, the audience had a reason to stick around <laughs> after the pick. See you, folks.
0: Because,
1: dude, I mean, there would have to be. So much to go wrong for this what, Michigan what team
0: to lose. What is it? Like, honestly, though. What like if I Iowa has the defense, right? They have the defense. So, A like, bomb threat in the stadium? Like, I don't stop. know, dude. Stop. Like, yeah. Let me
1: let
0: me let me give it to you. It's small, it's slim, but here it is. Iowa has the defense. That's about all they got, but they do have the defense. One of the best defenses in the Big 10 year after year and it's true again this year. They have a defense. Michigan has the defense. I agree, and that's why I think the over under at 34 and a half is a lock. I I would take that before I took Michigan minus 22. I'm going to take Michigan minus 22. If it were 24, I would take Iowa. I'm gonna take Michigan minus 22. I'm taking it under. I think Michigan could win this game 24 to nothing. I think Iowa will slow down the Michigan offense, but I think Michigan could be up by 17 at halftime, like 17 to nothing, maybe, and they just sit on the ball for the next 30 minutes and beat Iowa 20 to nothing. Like I think they that's
1: a... they they've done that for the last 12 weeks. So what's new? I mean that's it's...
0: all they do. Right, and so, like, if you don't want to show anything for a college football playoff run and you just want to get out of there healthy, then I think that's what makes me nervous, but I'll still take Michigan minus 22. Definitely going to hammer the under for sure. More confident than I will take uh, the Wolverines. But uh, are safe to say you're on the same side, or is this one, is Iowa somehow scoring six or ten points to keep this uh, closer?
1: Michigan doesn't need their signs. They don't need – Michigan doesn't need their head coach. I mean, Michigan probably doesn't need half of their starting players in this game to win it. Um, But, no, I'll take minus 22 all day. I think – I don't think that they're going to try to put up a ton of points, but I don't see Iowa putting up many points at all. I mean, I think there's a possibility – I mean – have has there been a shutout in the Big Ten championship? I'm I mean, sure
0: ha- there has. It's the Big Ten.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a possibility that that happens on Saturday, guys.
0: For sure. I yeah. mean, I,
1: yeah, I got I, Michigan scoring like 30 points. I don't think they're trying to do much more. But that's I think that's all it takes to cover 22. Yeah, I think 30 points you're covering 22 easy.
0: Um, are, are you right giving Iowa the-
1: more than a touchdown? No. All right.
0: No. Minus I, 22. I'll give him a field goal. I was leading receiver in how many yards he has. Go 452. 299. Tight end Eric All. <laughs> all right oh should be fun hey tune in saturday tune in friday for that pac-12 championship that one will be good saturday at four o'clock on cbs georgia alabama will be good louisville fsu could be sneaky and maybe oklahoma state or iowa can do something interesting we'll be tuning into it i hope you are any final thoughts for conference championship week that was five games against the spread not our normal six and then we'll be
1: down to four guys. Stay tuned. The playoffs. There's so much to cover. We might do a couple episodes and make a podcast for each game, just because there's so many things that we can dive into. Definitely stay tuned. Um, and we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on Facebook at Saturday Six or excuse me, follow us on Instagram at Saturday Six Pod.
0: Hey, tell your grandma to follow us on Facebook. We'll have to make a Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> For my brother Tyler, I am AJ and this was another episode of the Saturday 6 podcast. We'll see you back soon. and go dogs.